in a constantly changing world. Today is as simple as it gets. You're listening to The Leadership Enigma, a podcast to explore, experiment, and power up your leadership to make the difference to your business, your people, and your success. Whether you're an entrepreneur, business owner, or corporate executive, each week we dig deep into global experts, academics, rising stars, ambitious upstarts, and disruptors. Now, here's your host, Adam Pacifico. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Leadership Enigma. And I'm delighted that I have Beth Miller with me all the way from Atlanta, USA. Beth, how are you? I am doing fine and it's hot Atlanta today. It's very, very warm. <laughs> hot Atlanta. And I know that you had a terrific storm only yesterday. We did, but thankfully it's a very calm day. So uh, we should stay connected. <laughs> So the weather gods are with us, at least for this yeah. episode. Yes. Now, I'm delighted that Beth is with us. Now, now, Beth is a talent management advisor. She really helps people develop leadership pipelines. And that's something that is, I'm extremely interested in because this episode we've talked about, or we're talking about, is called Get Out of the Way, because sometimes <laughs> leaders need to just get out of the way. Am I right in that? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> and I think they, people they struggle with to, it. Yeah. <laughs> especially business owners. I, I work with a lot of small, uh, medium-sized businesses and generally the founder, CEO, is, is still very involved. And the challenge is, is that many of them are aging and within the next five to 10 years, they're gonna wanna retire. Well, they need to figure out how to get out of the way and let other people start taking on their responsibilities. So when the time comes, there is, there's not this rush of trying to develop people and, and getting people up to speed yes. um, in order for the, the business owner to be able to, to retire or exit or whatever. Avoid the panic. Avoid the panic of exit. That's true. Yeah. Now you're, you're also the author of uh, Are You Talent Obsessed? So my first question is, tell us a little bit about you. How did you get to this point working with leaders on this topic? Yeah, it, it, it wasn't a straight path. I, um, I actually started in finance and uh, worked for a Fortune 500 company for the first seven years of my career back in the, the 80s. And I, I realized pretty quickly um, into my, my financial career that although I was good at it, I wasn't passionate about it. Right. It just wasn't something that I really enjoyed doing. And um, fortunately, the company I was working for at the time had an internal training program for sales. Right. So I moved into sales and, and that's actually how I got to Atlanta, Georgia. I'm originally from the Boston area and um, the, the sales opportunity was great. Uh, the experience though, my final experience at that company um, taught me a really good lesson, the lesson around talent. And that is that, um, People leave managers, not companies. So true. Yeah. And I just had a really bad manager and I didn't have a real option to transfer and stay in Atlanta. And I wanted to stay in Atlanta. So um, my only option was, was to leave the company. It's so true, isn't it? How a good leader or indeed a bad leader can have such a massive impact on someone either positive or negative. And unfortunately, in, in this instance, you're talking about it was negative, but perhaps that was a, that was a good thing because it spurred you on to helping others in relation to this aspect. Yeah. 
Yeah, what um, in between uh, uh, the work I was doing there and then the work I'm doing now, which I started in back in 2006, my husband and I ran a consulting technology practice. Right. And um, he actually started it and he convinced me to, to leave um, the company I was working for at the time and um, help him grow the business. So we grew to an Inc. 5000, or actually Inc. 500 company. Wow. Back then it was only 500, now it's 5000. Okay. You were <laughs> ahead of your time back then anyway. I was, I was. And um, we grew it and then sold it back in, in 03. I, um, I took some time off and another lesson learned, I, I'm not somebody to retire. <laughs> just, I, there's just not enough golf and beach time. And, and I did a lot of volunteer work as well, okay. um, which was rewarding, but not enough. So I found Vistage, which is a CEO membership organization. Mm -hmm. um, I, I believe there are, are chapters in, in the UK as well. I think so, yes. And I chaired uh, several groups um, from 2006 through uh, early last year. And while I was doing that, was I was also um, had my executive velocity work. So I was helping companies to assess uh, future leaders, um, assess potential employees, develop and coach uh, leaders and, and rising leaders and back last year, I, I decided that um, I was busy enough that, that um, I really needed to step down from Vistage. So it was actually perfect because one of the members of my group ended up taking over the group. Right. So I had, I had my mini succession plan in place. <laughs> well, which is the, uh, the actual subject of this episode. So yeah. you've always been, so you always had a focus on uh, helping people manage talent. Mm -hmm. uh, You've taken lessons from your own experiences and your own journey uh, within the workplace. Um, but help our listeners understand. So what's the challenge with succession planning? And then we'll move on to some of your, your top tips. Well, I, I think the, the first challenge is the business owner leader because the business is their baby. Yep. They have, you know, they've birthed it. They've, they've nurtured it. Um, they've gotten to a certain point. And letting go is very difficult, um, partially because they don't have a vision for where they're going to be in the future. Right. What are they going to do after they leave the company? So some of my work is spent with, with leaders defining that. You know, what, what, what is it going to look like afterwards? Now, some, some of them are clearly very happy working into their 70s that, you know, that's, that's their gig. Um, but there are others that, you know, are, are thinking about retirement. In fact, I just spoke to one yesterday and he's like, I'm 60 year old, years old, Beth. And, you know, I got to make sure that yeah. I have the right people in place um, before I leave. Because he said, you know, I don't want to sell this. I, I want this. I want to sell to my employees. That was his a, a legacy, his, Beth. Yeah. That was his ways. legacy. Yeah. Right. Others, other business owners, that's not their, their um, vision. Their vision is to sell to a, an outside party and, and exit. Um, but that the leader is probably the first roadblock. Okay. Um, getting them to understand you know, what the future looks like for them without their business. 
the other is that that leader who is a control freak and has identified somebody either internally or externally that is going to be their their successor mm-hmm. they can't keep their fingers out of the pie and and they're we always all know someone like that don't we Beth? yes <laughs> yes and they're always you know inserting themselves in in decisions that really their successor should be making and disempowering that person almost. right yeah very much so and and i have i have seen successors end up leaving a company because they they just get so frustrated it's like you know you gave me this position but you're not empowering me at all to do what yeah. what what you've told me i need to be doing i think this yeah. is a fascinating subject just just in the focus on on founders and i know lots has been written and harvard business review have talked about this about the inability of those founders to get out of the way because almost their entire personality is wrapped up in their business. Oh, and, yeah. Oh, and then sometimes third-party investors come in, and the first thing they do is they put a CEO in who's not the founder right. to their horror. Exactly. Exactly, yes. <laughs> yeah. I work a lot on the, the founder, uh, the founder syndrome, <laughs> yeah. and, and helping individuals get past that. Um, now, there, there are others who... Um, will have kind of that aha moment. It might be a personal situation. Um, I remember working with one gentleman who, you know, uh, found out that he had some health issues. Right. And, and so, you know, gee, how much longer do I have? Wow. So, so that, you know, there was, there was a motivator there behind him um, creating a, a succession plan because he, he realized he had limited time. Okay. You'd rather not have to wait till something no. like that happens, would you, exactly. until the, the light bulb switches on? Right. Okay. All right. Some of the other, what are some of the other roadblocks or, or, or categories well, you come across? Uh, the, the next one I find is people don't know how to start the process. Okay. And, and the components to the process. They, they'll oftentimes have missing components from an infrastructure standpoint that they need to have in place before they even go through a succession plan, such as um, a development planning process, um, a a career pathing process. Um, They need to understand what their core competencies are. And that's, that's a core competencies are a key component, not just to succession planning in in developing uh, your talent pool, but when you know your core competencies, you can integrate those that knowledge into the hiring process. Right. You can create good questions that will uncover uh, applicants' competencies and whether or not they they fit with your comp- core competencies. So okay. that's that's a real that's a that's one missing piece that I find a lot. The other big missing piece is understanding what potential is versus performance uh, a Tell lot of companies a lot of companies get confused uh with high performers and high potentials okay and they don't equate and that's generally what i find is uh they they have a high performer in some subject matter expert in you know engineering or design something that's a craft 
and that person is really good at that craft and the manager leader decides hey you know what we should promote them into a leadership position right. they're so good at what they do well leading and doing are two entirely different skill sets now forgive me beth this, this is really resonating with me and i'm feverishly making some notes here as well um <laughs> which I'd, that, that's interesting about how and i've seen lots of examples as, as a lawyer in maybe international law firms where first rate lawyers doesn't always have to be a lawyer first rate somebody right. is elevated into a leadership position and they, they are very second or dare i say third rate yes now after 25 years of success beth they're starting to fail yeah so have exactly. you, you've seen that as well oh i see that i i i see it sooner than 20 to 25 years right. uh, i had a, a situation recently another you know smaller business probably maybe 40 employees and um the owner called me she was really concerned she had just um elevated a a programmer yes tech, technical person to a um, management position. And within several weeks, she was having some issues with his, his performance as a leader. Well, you know, I said, well, how, how did you make this decision? And gosh, come to find out, she made the decision because the guy had gotten an offer from another company. Right. And so she countered it with, well, I'll make you into a, a leadership position will gotcha. you stay and i'm like oh my god seriously that's not like shoving a square peg in a round hole isn't it yeah yeah so she she was calling me saying beth can you coach him and i was like well you know let's let's do a little analysis first um and and there there are definitely some things that he is coachable on that right. will help him like delegation for instance you know that okay. he was never he never understood how to delegate and, you know, how to identify who to delegate to and following up and all that. So, you know, so those are some of the things that I'm working gotcha. with him Probably on. Probably been a great individual contributor, uh, but right. now needed to, to shift across. You also mentioned something else which I want to pick up on, and that was, do you find that some founders, and I'm going back to the founders who are passionate, yeah. they're wrapped up in their business, that when they tend to think about succession planning, they try and they end up hiring in their own image. Oh gosh, yes. And that, yeah. Which the, may not the, be what they need at all. No, not at all, because the company is a different company than when the company was formed by, by that, that yes. leader. Yes, yeah. There, there are, you know, the strategy's probably changed, um, you know, the, the environment has probably changed, and they, they need to have somebody who is going to move their strategic plan forward and that that doesn't mean somebody that's just like them yeah so, so this is a classic what got you here may not get you well, there yes, right exactly so, so don't hire in your own image because you need a, a, a new person and perhaps that's yeah. why so many founders are offended when third-party investors bring in their own management right Maybe. and i i see that um go even further I, i'm working with a company who has, has built a, a staffing company. And one of the things that um, I've done with, with his team is, is assess them for, for their personality and behavioral styles. Right. And 
they're all, except for one, all a bunch of spontaneous folks. There's no planned aspect to their, their team. And this one person who is planned feels like a fish out of water. Right. And he is getting ready to, to hire um, an additional person on the executive team. I'm like, you've got to find somebody who's planned. They've got, they've got to have that one competency that will, will help round out your, your team. Um, and he, he agrees. I mean, it's like, yeah, I've, I've, I've got to have something. <laughs> well, it's, it's a real challenge, isn't it? Because yeah. how do founders go about working out what are the competencies that the business needs now, as opposed mm -hmm. to the competencies that they think the business needed then? Or they look at themselves and think, well, I founded it, so maybe it's a, it's a me. Right. So there, there's a process that, that I use, and, and I start with the company's values. Right. What are the values the company has? And oftentimes with smaller companies, they, they've got values, but they haven't really uncovered the behaviors that they're looking for that support those values. Right. So, so oftentimes that's the first step is, is I have a facilitated session with their leadership team and we define what are those behaviors that support those values. Like for instance, integri yeah. integrity. Well, yes. okay. What does it so, mean? Right. It's, it's a word it's, on a page, right. right? Right. It's it's broad. You know, integrity to me might mean something different to you. So, so what are those behaviors like? Um, do what I say I'm going to do. Okay. Um, you know, not talking behind people's back. You know, being being transparent and, and open. Those kinds so, of things. So, Beth, in some ways, it's working out, and this is relevant to the big companies too. What are the behaviors that support and also what are the behaviors that undermine the very value that they're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, okay. exactly. Gotcha. Um, and so then, you know, a, a competency is basically a broad set of knowledge, skills, and behaviors. So a, a competency could be like communications. Well, communications mm -hmm. is really broad. What, what are the, the specific um, behaviors that uh, may be coming from the values and um, skills and, and knowledge that would round out a competency. So in some ways you're creating a route map for them to yes. really identify what it is that they need to make their business thrive going forward. Right. And those core competencies are, um, are competencies that all employees should have. And that's why you want to integrate those competencies into the hiring process. Okay. So that you're bringing people on who, who align with your values through competencies. So if a, if a, if a leader or owner of a business is thinking about succession planning, what's the lead time that you'd recommend for them to really be thinking and actioning this to be successful? Okay. So if we define succession planning as just the owner, um, I would say probably three years. Okay. Okay. But I look at succession planning more as an, as an organizational process. Or rhythm. Right. Okay. That it, it should occur when you are doing your business plans. It's a, it, it is one of the supporting plans to a business plan. 
Gotcha. Okay. okay. So what would be some of your, your top tips or best advice then to uh, an owner of a small medium business or even a large business really, when it talks, you know, someone working in a multi, you know, global multinational and they're thinking I need to, I need to move on and let somebody else come in and take this division forward. Well, well yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, first of all is getting to that decision, right? Yeah. That, right. That, you know, a lot of people aren't ready to, to move on. Gosh, you know, if, if I start developing these people below me that ultimately could take my position, which is really what a leader is. A leader is developing future leaders. Yes. That's, that's really my definition. And, you know, many of them have the confidence in an ego to do that. But there, there will be ones that, you know, aren't as self-confident in their own role yep. that, you know, it's a, it's a threat to them in, in developing somebody that could potentially take their, their position on, right? If the company has been just growing on a steady, you know, 5% rate, well, and, and here you're, you're developing, you've identified somebody as a successor. Well, if, you get that person to the point where they can take on your position, but there's no place for you to go. That can cause a problem. Right. Okay. So you've, you've got to be really clear when you're communicating to the individual, you know, you've identified this person as a high potential that can, can take on uh, additional roles and responsibilities that, you know, there's no guarantee, but that you're investing in them. You want to develop them and, you know, it may, it may be longer to get to that next position, but meanwhile, you want to expand their role within their, their current job. Yep. You're, you're creating diverse projects and allowing them to grow within their current role. But as you say, one of the tricky considerations is if a leader is doing that, have they themselves worked out where they're going and why? They need to, to know that um, there's, there's obviously a place for them in the future. And if they're developing that person below them, they, they need to be really clear on the fact that they're develop, they want to develop that person. They're investing time and, and money in developing them. The idea that they're going to have a promotion in a certain time frame may not be realistic. What you do is you enrich their job. You add additional components to their job. Yes. And, and allow them maybe to um, offload other components that might not be as value added um, to, to people either you know, across the organization or down. So developing them with a view. Yeah, because we can't be certain of the future as as a global pandemic has shown us. We never really know what's going on around the corner. No, and I will tell you that uh, if if we think about the Generation Y, uh, they are demanding development. Some of them are more um, goal oriented than others mm -hmm. about you know rising through the organization, but they they want to learn and they want to get feedback on how they're doing through that process. Okay. So Beth, I mean, th this is a fascinating subject, which I think is in the, should be at the forefront of any founder 
leader's mind, really. Uh, and I know we spoke about this before we even did the podcast. How can people reach you or, you know, what are you up to now that, that's, that, that's helpful for some of the listeners in relation to getting out of the way? Because I'm sure there's lots of people thinking, I need to think about getting out of the way. So I, um, I'm actually in the process of writing a book on succession planning for small to mid-sized companies. And it's in the early stages. I'm hoping to, to get the, the um, final draft done by the end of this year so it's not it won't be out until 2021 okay I, um yeah so that's that's a lot of my time in between coaching and and uh and developing late leaders i'm i'm writing the book okay but how can people reach you then if they want to reach out to you in the interim well a couple of ways uh, one is through linkedin um you can find me at beth Arm Connect Miller. Arm Connect's my maiden name, and it's spelled A-R-M-K-N-E-C-H-T. So Beth Arm Connect Miller. Gotcha. There's only one of me on LinkedIn. So. Well, that's always useful. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, means it means you're unique, Beth. I think right. that's what I'm trying to say. Okay. Good. And then, um, then my my website, uh, which is executive-velocity.com. I have a lot of free uh, resources out there that you, that visitors can download great so that's so, www.executive-velocity.com correct yeah okay that's absolutely great uh, and beth i know we're coming to the end of our time and i'm going to ask you some strange questions which you don't have any notice of but i've asked lots uh -huh. of people these so okay. it should be some fun so here we go simple one to start with so what's what's your hobby beth now this might be we you know lockdown hobby or this might be a hobby that has carried you through lockdown i don't know wow okay so um Normally, my hobby is travel. Okay. Oh, clearly, sorry that. that's not happening. Right? <laughs> so my new hobby, um, which has taught me a lot of patience, is baking bread. Baking bread. Okay. But here's the kicker. Sourdough bread. I was going to ask. Yes. Sourdough. I started my own starter, which took... On, on the internet, it says you can do get a starter going in five days. It took me three weeks. <laughs> no lie. That's a hell of a hobby, right? Yes, but I, now every Saturday morning we have fresh sourdough bread. Which is very nice, I can imagine. Okay, second one is, and as you've written and you're about to continue writing as well, what's your favorite word? Oh, wow. Ah, ah, that's a good one, right? Ah. Oh. I've never been asked that question. Well, I'm putting you on the spot, I know, but that's the fun of the podcast, isn't it? Mm. What's, what's front of mind for you? Your favorite word? Ah, Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Well, I can't really <laughs> argue with that, can I, as a Brit? We're talking about Mary Poppins, right? So <laughs> we love that. And then my <laughs> final question to you um, is, what would be your best piece of advice to a 21-year-old Beth? Oh, Follow your passion. Can't argue with that either, really. Follow your passion. Yeah. Beth, it's been great. Thank you so much for taking time to chat to me on the Leadership Enigma. I enjoyed so much, Dan. People now know and understand the importance of getting out of the way. <laughs> Join us again next week for more essential insights on the Leadership Enigma. 
We'd love to hear your comments on today's show, as well as suggestions for future topics and guests. Get in touch with your host on LinkedIn or via our website, www.pca-global.com. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes. Thanks for listening.